This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Throws to the end zone. It is caught for the Miami touchdown. It's Parker. All day long with Devontae Parker. Picked off. Going to the end zone is Eric Rowe for the touchdown. Play fake. Throws it. There he is. Wiggins. And it's a big man touchdown in Miami. What is up? Welcome in, Miami Dolphins fans, to another episode of Fin It to Win It, brought to you, as always, by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and Bet Online. My name is Riley Bradshaw. Alongside Mason Englehart, you can follow, interact with the show on social media, Facebook and Twitter. We are at Fin It to Win It. We're looking ahead on the show to July 28th, Mason, the start of training camp. We're going full steam ahead until they tell us otherwise. So, from now until then, we're going to be gearing up for training camp. You know, in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking storylines to look forward to, probably position battles in training camp to look out for. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Dolphins players that are on the bubble to make the final roster through training camp into the regular season. So, a lot to look forward to. Hopefully, we're actually going to be looking forward to kickoff on July 28th of Dolphins training camp. And just the word bubble kind of resonates in different ways, Riley. With, Doesn't it? <laughs> you know, in the that bubble, was been hearing, I, I know it was unintentional, but it was funny because as soon as you said players on the bubble, my mind just went straight to different leagues and how players are quote unquote living in the right. bubble. Uh, you know, the NFL obviously hasn't gone that far, but yeah, that date is circled on my calendar july 28th it's a big one every day we wake up we check online we check social media has anything changed i was actually listening to a few interviews today um, from some nfl players and generally they were all pretty optimistic about the season everybody's got an opinion of it riley but like you mentioned we are full steam ahead we're gearing up for training camp there's a lot to talk about even without all the COVID talk, this is still a huge training camp for the Miami Dolphins. It's oh, absolutely. got a ton of young players vying for playing time, a lot of rookies. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of these rookies, they have the chance to make a lot of on-field contributions and as starters. So there's a ton to get to, Riley, and it's an interesting way to start tonight. We're talking about players on the bubble, and there's quite a few of them, but with such a young team, it's kind of hard to decide who stays or who goes this early in training camp season? Yeah, fingers crossed that training camp starts on time and we can finally have football back in our lives. Mason, before we get into that, I want to go back to last week. We did an episode real quick 
We did an off-season report card. So we recapped the Miami Dolphins offseason. We broke it into categories. We talked best move, most questionable move, best value. And we posed a lot of these questions to Dolphins fans on Facebook and Twitter. And for underrated move, I think you put Matt Breida, the trade for Matt Breida, if I'm not mistaken. I had the signing of Jordan Howard as our underrated moves for the Dolphins that stood out to us. But there was some responses, specifically on Twitter, that really stood out to me. One in particular that I thought was worth mentioning because I never even thought of that angle. And fans on Twitter, some of them said, not having to trade up from five to get Tua. When you think about that, that is a, I might change my pick to that. Because if you think about how it impacted the rest of the draft, if we had had to trade up to get Tua, if that was even a part of the plan, just the fact that they were able to stay put and get to at five, what they were able to do, keeping the rest of their draft picks and a lot of the guys that we've broken down on this show, you know, Ingbenogany, Austin Jackson in the first round, they probably would have had to give up one of those picks. So we're not talking about that tonight, obviously, but I thought, man, Dolphins fans, that is a great point that you guys made on our Twitter page at Finit to Win It, not having to trade up from five to get to a. That was a smart move for sure. I mean, the Dolphins, they, they play poker very well in this draft. Uh, you know, they, they, they knew that other teams were, were bluffing when they were trying to reel them in with the bait. Oh yeah. You know, we're going to try to jump you guys. Nope. The Dolphins stood their ground. So, you know what? I can see it being an underrated move, but in my opinion, it goes more and categorized as just a smart move, a very veteran move from a young head coach and Chris Greer as well for them to stay at five. The Chargers didn't leap them. And we've, we've said this before. I've mentioned this, you know, the Chargers GM after the draft, they didn't know who they wanted. You know, they weren't yeah. sold on Tua or Herbert. They were like, you know, we'll pretty much get who the Dolphins don't. So the Dolphins wanted Tua all along. They got him. So I can see it being an underrated move, but very impressed by the Dolphins, how they didn't trade up. And I know we were pretty fired up for the fact that if they traded up to get a tackle um, after yeah. everything going on, it would be pretty crazy. So I'm glad the Dolphins thought it was crazy as well. <laughs> You'd have to think that was a smoke screen. But I know it, we were getting fired up, and I was sweating bullets. Even talking about it now, my heart's like beating really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's because I've had too much sugar today. I don't know. But yeah, I think just not having to trade up, that's a huge underrated move, and I thought it was worth bringing up on the show. So good job, Dolphins fans. That's why we posed the questions to you, because we want to hear from you. You guys sometimes bring up, angles and things that we don't even think about. So thank you for that, those responses on Twitter and Facebook. So, all right, we're going to get into tonight's episode, Dolphins players that are on the bubble of making the final roster here in just a second. Before we do, I want to get in a quick read from the sponsor of today's episode, Bet Online. Look, everyone, sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events, and there is no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Riley, there's tons of lines out there. UFC, NASCAR, boxing, soccer matches. If you need even more, they have the great simulated matchups you can bet on. We're talking about NBA, NFL, UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Even if you're looking for something else other than sports, Bet Online has you covered with hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So what are you guys waiting for? Visit betonline.ag and use that promo code. We've been talking about it for the last few months, the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So for me, Mason, when I look at players on the roster going into training camp that are going to be considered on the bubble 
of either making the roster or potentially being cut. I want to get your opinion on this. I think of three things. The first is obviously performance. You know, how do they perform in training camp in the preseason if there is a preseason? Number two, their contract situation. You know, dead money. For those that don't know, that refers to salary that a team will have to pay regardless if they cut a player or not. You know, signing bonuses, fully guaranteed base salaries, things like that. That's obviously a huge component of it. Um, when you look at a contract situation, you know, how many years are left on their deal. So, you know, each player's contract is obviously very unique. So looking at that player's contract situation and then their future outlook at number three, the age of the player, their projected performance, how they fit in your scheme and just the depth around them at the position. So those are the three things that I kind of look at, I guess, my criteria when I evaluate these players and how they fit. Do they fit in the bubble or are they safely on the roster? Yeah, and you know, for this Miami Dolphins squad, we mentioned this, there's a ton of young players on this team. There's not a lot of age or not a lot of, besides our quarterback, probably in Ryan Fitzpatrick, there's not a lot of ton of guys who are in their mid-30s or late-30s on the squad. So that's one thing you don't have to worry about. As far as salary goes, most of their higher salary players are their free agents. They just signed this offseason. So there's not a ton of contracts out there on the squad that are like, oh man, you know, they got to get this money off off they got to save money this way i mean albert wilson we're going to talk about the receivers but he's one guy that pops in my mind as far as salary goes he restructures his deal in the offseason which was a very good move by him because he was someone i feel like we would definitely talk about on the bubble for that definitely on the chopping block yeah definitely on the chopping block and it's not because like you mentioned there's many things that go into this it's not just the talent it's the age it's the contract it's how they're going to fit this scheme and some of the guys we're going to talk about tonight it may surprise you us bringing them up, but if they're not a versatile player in this offense or defense, they could possibly get cut. If they just do one thing decent, but they can't do other things to get them on the field, there's they're they're not safe. Especially when you look at, you know, Flores is entering his second year, he's bringing in a new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, a whole slew of new assistants. So, you can also look at guys that were drafted by the prior regime and how they fit in the scheme. So that is something that you kind of look at, and it's a it's a major factor when you're looking at this specific Dolphins team. Mason, let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's go ahead and talk about the obvious name that comes to everybody's mind, every article you read, every podcast you listen to, the player that's on the bubble, Kalen Balage. Let's talk about him and this running backs group. Why? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, but why is Kalen Balage on the bubble heading into training camp? Yeah, Riley, unfortunately for Kalen Balaj last year, you know, the chips were stacked against him as far as the offensive line goes. You know, we don't need to repeat that. We know how dismal it was throughout the entire season, but especially at the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year, the Dolphins really, really struggled to run the ball. And when you're behind early in football games, you have to abandon the run to some extent, which the Dolphins had to do. But Kalen Balaj didn't do himself any favors. He had a horrible yards per carry average with the Dolphins. Um, Riley, what was that? 1.8. I was going to say 1.4, so I got to give him a little bit of credit. Disrespectful. I know, very disrespectful. (laughs) It was 1.8, but yeah, he could not get anything going. We all remember the clip against New England earlier in the season when they threw him the the ball, bounced right off his hands right into a New England defender, and they ran it back for a touchdown. So, you know, there weren't many highlights for him last season, but here's two bright sides I'm going to say for Kalen Balazs. 
just to put something in his corner here. Number one is last season, the Dolphins had a lot of confidence in this guy. You know, they gave him the keys to the car. They wanted him to be the lead running back. Obviously, it didn't work out. The fact that they had that trust in him shows that there might still be a little bit of trust there this off season and going into this year as a backup running back for Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. The second thing is this. You know, the Dolphins bring in two guys and Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. They have had some injury concerns in the past. I don't think the Dolphins need to cut a bunch of running backs right now. I think it is in their best interest, and I'm curious to see how you go with this, but I think it's in their best interest to let guys like Patrick Laird and Kalen Balazs hang around for a little while because if Jordan Howard or Matt Breida go down, they need some depth in the backfield, and to have guys who have been on this team, it's going to be nice and resourceful to have that in your back pocket. Yeah, it's funny because we talked about, I think you and I both think that the Miami Dolphins backfield is the most improved position group on the team, maybe outside of offensive line. But, that's a big but, (laughs) if Breida or Howard go down, it's back to uh, not a lot of great options, in my opinion. I'm not super psyched about the running backs on the roster the farther you go down the depth chart. The one thing to me, Mason that really stuck out when you look at Kalen Balaj is his, I guess, lack of accountability. So back in November, you know, he was having a horrid season. He actually ended up going on injured reserve for the rest of the year. But he claimed, in quotes, that he had nothing to prove despite averaging 1.8 yards per carry and being one of the worst running backs in the entire NFL. So just the, I don't know, I think that irked a lot of Dolphins fans the wrong way just coming out and not taking accountability for himself, what you're supposed to do if you're a professional athlete. You know, saying that yeah. you have nothing to prove, it just yeah. it just rubs you the wrong way. Now, you don't want your athletes, especially ones that are struggling, to have that chip on their shoulder where they're not going to just buy in and say, you know what, I need to be playing better. Other people on the team need to be playing better. We need to come together. To just flat out say, I have nothing to prove, that's not really the answer you want to hear, especially when a player is struggling. And listen, Kalen Balaj is not a proven player. He's not someone who's been no, in the not league. At all. He's not been who's he's not someone who's been in the league for a long time. Now, if it was somebody who's a proven player, like let's just say it was Jordan Howard. And I don't even know if Jordan Howard's saying this would be a good thing. But if Jordan Howard came out and said that after a few bad games, I guess I could get his point with what he's done so far in his his career in the league for four or five seasons. But you know, Kalen Balaj, he doesn't have room to talk, especially with a comment like that. So not something you like to hear. Yeah, and I'm going to go to his contract, and all of the numbers I'm going to go through tonight when it comes to contracts come from OverTheCap.com. It's a great resource to dig into all of the players and their contract situations for the Miami Dolphins. So if you look at Kalen Balaj, he's due to make around $900,000 this season. In dead cap money, so if they did decide to cut him and move on from him, they would only owe just under 300000 So obviously not a big hit at all when you're talking about the grand scheme of things looking at the salary cap. So in the contract situation alone, he's expendable. And that's not including, you know, the comments we just talked about and his lack of production on the field. So, you know, you combine all of those things together. That's why he is a clear candidate for a guy that you could see being cut at some point during training camp before rosters are final. Yeah, Riley. And the first guy I want to mention on my list, let's keep it in the backfield. Now, I'm not going to talk about a running back, but I'm actually going to talk about the only fullback on the Miami Dolphins roster, and that's Chandler Cox. Now, I don't think Chandler Cox is a poor fullback, but if you look at how he's been utilized, last season he was a rookie. The Dolphins got him in a seventh-round pick in 2019 out of Auburn. 
But if you look at how he was utilized, he only averaged about eight snaps a game last season. I think 18 plays were the most he had in any game, which is about 25% of the offensive snaps in week seven. So doesn't it utilize a lot? And if you look at the NFL landscape, you know, fullback is a position that's really disappeared over the last few years and even the last decade. And it's mainly due to how the offenses are being run. They're using multiple RBs in there. They're moving receivers around. There's a lot of shotgun formation. So it's not the standard NFL pro set style offense that we've seen in the past in the nineties and before, and even the early two thousands where there were fullback fullbacks in there a lot. So Chandler Cox, he's not somebody who got on the field a lot. And if you look at who the Dolphins signed, Landon Roberts, Landon (laughs) Roberts. Now, Back in New England, when Landon Roberts was there, Devlin, their fullback, you know, the Patriots, they used him in lots of different ways. Well, when he got hurt, they turned to linebacker Landon Roberts to fill in on offense. I'm not saying Landon Roberts is going to be playing offense and defense a lot during the season, but I feel like they have someone in there who has shown success and shown he can catch the ball and run with it for a touchdown. We saw that against the Dolphins last season, but You know, I just feel like right now with today's NFL offense, you know, someone like Chandler Cox could get cut. And, you know, Riley, one thing we need to mention is this, you know, the NFL and the NFL Players Association, they've been talking about how they're considering lowering roster sizes with everything going on. You know, with that being said, coming into camp, yeah, coming into camp. Yeah, sorry. Coming into camp. With that being said, you know, the Dolphins may have to get creative with who they possibly cut, who are some of these casualties in a position like fullback, depending on how they're going to use it in this Changeli offense coming up this season, it could be a spot that they cut and they release Chandler Cox because they know they can turn to guys like Landon Roberts to fill in when they very rarely use that in their offense. Yeah, the odds are definitely stacked against him, Mason. It's a great point talking about Roberts coming in from the Patriots. Now, he didn't, he wasn't happy with his role last year being switched over to fullback. He wants to play linebacker. He signed as a linebacker. But if you have a guy on the roster that is capable of playing that position and in this Chan Gailey offense, you're not going to see the fullback hardly ever. I mean, it's not to say you won't ever see it in, you know, short yarded situations, goal line situations. But why would you keep a guy around for you know such a small amount of potential snaps when you could cut the cord there and keep someone else that can contribute in multiple ways. And especially if you have a guy on your roster that is versatile enough where he can play the fullback position if called upon, because you know what, Mason Chandler Cox is the perfect example of what I mentioned earlier. We're talking about scheme fit. He was drafted last year in the seventh round in a different system, you know, a different offensive concept in mind in a Chad O'Shea Patriot system, more of your prototypical pro style offense where you have you know tight ends on the line you have two back sets quite often you're not going to see that in this Changeli offense it's going to be one back sets unless you're in those specific situations I mentioned earlier so just in terms of the scheme fit as well the odds are stacked against Chandler Cox and I love the fullback position as a whole I love watching tape old tape of fullbacks remember Lusaka polite for the Dolphins I mean third (laughs) and one Fourth and one, that guy was automatic getting that. I love that with the Dolphins. But as the NFL develops and as and as offenses develop and they use players in different ways, you just don't see that position a lot on the field. I feel like with the Dolphins, as many other positions, how stacked they are with depth, they do need to make tough decisions. And I feel like Chandler Cox is one that comes to mind when it's like, who is on the bubble? He's definitely on the bubble for me just because of how rarely his position is being used. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll go ahead and move on from the running back group into another position group. One guy I do want to quickly mention, and I won't stay on him for long because I've talked about him in past episodes, Miles Gaskin. I'm not really sure how he fits into this roster. I understand he brings, a, I guess, a different skill set than most of the other running backs like Kalen Balaj, Patrick Laird. I guess he's the closest thing you're going to get to a Matt Breida if Breida goes down. But like I've said in the past, the farther you go down the depth chart, the more you need to contribute in different ways to your football team. You look at guys like Patrick Laird. You look at guys like Kalen Balaj. Yeah, their production was lacking, but they contributed in special teams almost across the board in every special teams uh, unit you can think of. Miles Gaskin barely played on special teams. So if he's not going to be playing on your offense, unless you have to go real deep into the depth chart, and if he's not going to be contributing on special teams, he's a clear casualty just because how does he fit into the team and his lack of contribution to the team. And, and Riley, I'll put you on the spot. If you had to choose one of those three, if it was your decision right now going into the season, the three backups, Gaskins, Laird, or Balazs, who do you feel like should be cut if one of those had to go? Well, obviously, you're going to have to see how they, these guys play in training camp under the chain. No, no, system. right now. You got to pick one right now. I'm getting to it, Mason. Give me a minute. <laughs> I'm trying to prop by time. <laughs> Did you put you're, me yeah, you're trying to talk your way out of it. No, pick As one. of right now, I'd probably go Balazs. Just the whole, I mean, we, we talked about it. I'd probably go Balazs just because the lack of production, just the lack of accountability last year, the contract situation. Now, I will say, if he actually plays like he did his rookie season, then I'd probably go Gaskin. But he has a lot to prove in training camp. If he and, wants and to, that's, if he wants and that's to earn why, a spot on this roster. Yeah, and that's why if you ask me that question, I'd probably go with Gaskins. Just because I, I feel like Balazs, he, he he gets one more shot in my book. Uh, I mean, at the same time, though, if they cut him, I'm not going to cry river. But I'm going to go Gaskins if one of those three have to go. Yeah, I'm not going to shed a tear if any of them are cut, quite honestly. I'm not overly impressed with any of them for good reason. But, yeah, it's that's going to be a very interesting camp battle. And we'll obviously break that down. You know, as we get closer to training camp, when we cover training camp battles to look forward to the backup running back position, uh, it's a crowded backfield. So, all right, let's go ahead and move to receiver, Mason. Yeah, and speaking I know of crowded, speaking, speaking of crowded, yeah, great transition, great segue. Let's go ahead and talk about the receivers. There's a ton of them. I don't know how many of the Dolphins are going to keep. I'm probably guessing around five because the position's so deep. I don't know. Do you think they keep six guys? That's a lot of receivers. <laughs> So, so I say six, Riley, and I did see on social media one name that popped up a few times was Alan Hearns, which wouldn't be overly surprising if the Dolphins did cut him. But Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Alan Hearns, and then Isaiah Ford. Those are my six right now that I feel like are the six. But at the same time, there's some young talent that the Dolphins did bring in, mostly undrafted rookies that could possibly make a splash if training camp goes along plan like it's supposed to, July 28th, remember that date. But, uh, you know, the three for me that obviously are really on the bubble are going to be Matt Cole, Kirk Merritt, and Matt Collins. Yeah, your undrafted rookies are going to be the first go, and quite honestly, I'm not sure how many of them we're going to actually see in training camp. You mentioned how yeah. they're cutting the roster down. Usually 90 guys show up to training camp. They're talking about cutting up to 15 of those spots, you know, because of yep. COVID coming into training camp. So I would imagine that the undrafted rookies are going to be the first to go, unfortunately, because uh, there are a couple guys that are very intriguing. You mentioned Kirk Merritt, uh, Benito Jones, 
friend of the show, Bryce Sterk. Really hope that these guys actually get an opportunity to show what they got. And unfortunately, because of COVID, just another thing that COVID's screwing up, they may not get that opportunity. We'll see on that. But if you're looking at like Jakeem Grant, Alan Hearns, and I'm going to go to the contract situation here. Obviously, it depends, first of all, what you look for on the field. Two guys that bring entirely different skill sets. I will say that Alan Hearns brings you more versatility. We talked about how many uh, snaps he took last year. Um, Filling in for injuries to guys like Preston Williams, he was very versatile in his usage um, in 2019. In 522 offensive snaps, it was almost 50-50. 254 in the slot, 259 out wide. Jakeem Grant, definitely a different type of receiver. He is that explosive playmaker. And he's been very impressive on Twitter. I will say that. His videos got me psyched to to see what he can do this year. But, you know, that's Twitter. Um, But the thing that I want to point out is this is another thing when you look at contract situations. So both these guys signed extensions. I believe both of them signed last year. If you look at dead money against the cap, if they are let go, Jakeem Grant's going to be owed around $6 million in dead money, while Alan Hearns is going to be uh, owed under a million at eight hundred and sixty-six, roughly thousand dollars. So the, obviously, a clear difference there. Yeah, you know, Jakeem Grant. It's going to be very interesting to see how this offseason goes for him. You mentioned the money, but you know, I look at two guys in Matt Cole and Kirk Merritt. I'm not saying they have the same skill sets as Jakeem Grant because we know how shifty, elusive, and quick Jakeem Grant could be. But you look at someone like Kirk Merritt. You know, four three time on his forty yard dash, nice vertical leap, almost forty six on that. I mean, he shows that he can do a lot. And then Matt Cole, someone who has his foot in the door, he was chosen as the Great Lakes Valley Conference. That's right, Riley. I know you love that conference. The Great Lakes Valley Conference. Special teams player of the year. And what do we say about these backups, what they have to do well on? Special teams. So, you know, someone like Matt Cole and Kirk Merritt, if they have really good off seasons and they show that they can't help the Dolphins with that depth, it wouldn't be really surprising if they made that move and said Jakeem Grant is cut. You know, it would be kind of like, wow, you know, that that's that that is a big move. If they but get at the, the same time, if they get the chance. I mean, if Matt Cole and Kirk Merritt, and then you know, Matt Collins, he didn't do much for the Dolphins last year. I yeah, think Gary he Jennings, played like, guys like that. You could have yeah, to think 16, be yeah, 16 snaps, Matt Collins. But I look at Kirk Merritt and I look at Matt Cole, two guys the Dolphins got, undrafted rookies. I'm really curious to see what they can bring in this offseason. Hopefully they get the chance, like you mentioned. I mean, these guys, they try, they work. I mean, everybody works hard, but these undrafted rookies, when they bring them in, they're really on the bottom of the totem pole. They don't have a lot of room for error. So if these two young rookie receivers, if they can f- show some flashes, you never know. The Dolphins may feel like they can make a move and let one of these veterans. And let's be honest, Jakeem Grant, he's disappeared a lot of times. He's had great success with special teams, returning kicks, returning punts, things like that, but he can't stay on the field. And quite frankly, there's guys on this team who can do a lot of things better than him, like Albert Wilson, Alan Hearns, and you know what? I'll even say it, you know, Isaiah Ford. So it's going to be interesting. This is a really deep roster. A lot of guys in there fighting. Nothing would really surprise me um, other than, you know, obviously Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, and Albert Wilson. Those three seem the safest to me. But other than that, you never know. Yeah, I think the clear person on the chopping block here, if you're talking about guys that have contributed for the Dolphins in the past, it's going to be Alan Hearns. I see them giving Jakeem Grant another year to prove himself. I don't see them cutting him and paying him $6 million to go away. 
I just don't. He brings too many. He brings too much talent to the wide receiver position, and like you mentioned, in special teams as well as a returner. So I just don't see them, you know, footing that bill and paying him six million dollars to say bye bye. So if I'm going to pick a guy here, it's it's Alan Hearns that I think would be on the chopping block uh, for training camp. One guy, Mason, I want to mention before we move over to the defensive side is if you look at the offensive line, I'm not sure we're going to see a lot of notable guys get Mm -hmm. the ax, but if there was to be one, I would probably pick Julian Davenport, a guy that, you know, hasn't been able to stay on the field. He's been injured most of his career. When he's been in, he's been okay, not great. And if you look at his contract situation, and this is according to over the cap, so if this is incorrect, blame them, not me. If he was to be cut, they would owe him Zippo, zero dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, he's yeah unrestricted, unrestricted free agent after this season, I believe. Davenport. He's owed a little over two million dollars this year, and if you have zero in dead cap, cap money, if you cut him, that's quite a bit of cash that you're going to be saving if he doesn't come in healthy and ready to perform and compete. I know he adds a little bit of depth at that tackle position, but obviously you draft Austin Jackson, you draft mm-hmm. Robert Hunt, you have Jesse Davis there who played right tackle last year, so you have some guys there. I don't think he's going to get cut, but he's a guy to look out for as well. If he comes in and he's still banged up, can't stay on the field, isn't performing, he could be a cap casualty. Yeah, PFF graded him 98 out of 126 for left tackles. Um Played 534 snaps last year for the Dolphins. Listen, they need the depth. They do, especially with all the rookies they have in this line, and especially if the offseason program or preseason is trimmed down as well, or even there's no preseason games. They really do need that depth for a lot of reasons. So I don't think he gets cut too, but obviously with the money, they're not going to owe him a lot with everything going on. He's an unrestricted free agent coming up too. It, It would make sense if they did make that move. All right, so let's go ahead and move over to the defense. Mason, I know there's some guys you want to talk about on the defensive line. I want to quickly point out someone in the secondary that stands out to me, and I think it's no surprise. He's another one of those guys that his name has been floated out there as a potential roster cut casualty. Cordrea Tankersley. This mm-hmm. guy came in a third-round pick out of Clemson in 2017, had a hell of a career at Clemson, was first-team All-ACC in 2016, but... Had a decent rookie year, uh, started 11 games, seven pass deflections, although he missed five games with ankle injuries, uh, shoulder injury. So ever since then, he's been hurt. Missed the entire 2019 season, played only six games in 2018, tore his ACL. So he's a guy that just can't stay on the field. And with all of the additions and guys that have elevated their game, you know, Nick Needham coming in, obviously Bobby McCain can play the nickel. You bring in Ibnagani, uh, and you bring in Byron Jones. So it's a crowded room, and I'm not sure there's a spot for Cordrea Tankersley in it. Yeah, and also, you know, we'll see what happens with safety. I mean, Bobby McCain feels like it's going to be his spot at free safety. But, you know, if Brandon Jones, the rookie, if he shows great potential this offseason, they may move. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep saying this because I want it to happen, but they're going to move Bobby McCain back to nickel. I'm just going to keep saying it because I want it to happen. Just I think will it's the to right happen. I'm just going to will it to happen. But yeah, you know, Tankersley, you feel bad for him. The injury bug, it happens to so many players. It's really hit him hard. But the Dolphins, like you mentioned, they've brought in free agents. They have decent depth there. So yeah, that's one of those defensive moves that really wouldn't surprise me too much. 
All right, Mason, there obviously were a lot of additions on the defensive line as well. So I know that you had a guy or two that you have on the chopping block from the defensive line. So why don't you share that with us? Yeah, you know, the Dolphins did in the draft and free agency. They brought in some defensive linemen, nose tackles, uh, edge rushers as well. You know, you look at guys on the bubble. You know, Avery Moss is a guy that comes to mind. Um, You look at Ray Lima. He's the guy that comes to mind, Benito Jones. But, you know, one guy I'm going to pick right now, and this might be a little bit surprising, but Zach Sealer, for me, could be someone who gets a cut casualty for the Dolphins. And I just think right now, with the Dolphins being locked into their starters in Godshaw and Wilkins, they're going to be looking for those extra guys to see who what they can prove. Sealer's a big guy, but he doesn't have a lot in the weight department right now. I think he's just listed a little bit under 300 pounds, about 290, but he is 6'6". So he does have that length for sure. But, you know, the Dolphins, them bringing in Raekwon Davis as well, the rookie right there, the one that Brian Flores was ecstatic about drafting out of Alabama. You know, Sealer's someone that I could see get it being a cap casualty didn't play a lot for Miami last season, only 78 snaps. He did look really well, though, in one game particular uh, going against the Bengals. So he did show some flash for the Dolphins. But if there's one guy to mention out of that line, Sag Sealer for me feels like the guy who may be on the wrong end. Yeah, that game versus Cincinnati, he had seven tackles yeah, and one sack. So he definitely broke out there. In 118 snaps, he accrued a 76 overall rating from Pro Football Focus. And he was rated as the 22nd out of 199 defensive tackles. Yeah, which obviously, is really good for, yeah, the, for the limited time. Obviously a very small sample size. But still, when he got his opportunity, he made the most of it. So I'm going to go with Avery Moss out of the guys that you mentioned. Uh, fifth round okay. pick back in 2017. He was cut, picked up by Miami off waivers. He was very ineffective when he played in terms of his pass rush. He was rated as one of the worst pass rushers by PFF last year. He did have 25 tackles, one forced fumble in 11 games, including eight starts, but he was hampered by injuries much of last season. And if you look at their contracts, they're both owed the same exact amount of money, around three quarters of a million dollars each, and they both are zero against the dead cap. So it, they're basically right there, neck and neck. It's gonna, it's gonna real. This is gonna be one of those performance things. Who is gonna yeah. outperform the other in training camp? It's gonna be, it's gonna be a camp battle, and that's when we do an episode coming up in the like next a true weeks camp so. battle. Yes, that is a true camp battle right there. Um, it's gonna be really interesting to see in the in camp who gets the leg up because that may be the difference. And this is one of those examples why preseason is so important for the Dolphins this year if you could have the more and more tape you have on these guys the easier decision maybe not the easier decision but it's going to make the decision a little less complicated for the coaching staff who belongs on this team or who gets cut so yeah i mean this is one of those examples we talked about it last episode about the preseason situation for the dolphins if (laughs) if there's no preseason i mean these guys in sealer and moss i mean it's it's going to be tough yeah it's a great point you know there's a lot of players in this league that would love to see no preseason this year. I guarantee you Zach Sealer and Avery Moss are not among those guys. Those are exactly the type of guys, Mason, that need preseason games. They need live reps versus another team to show what they can do because I mentioned exact same contract situation. It's going to come down to performance on the field. So they need as many opportunities to stand out to the coaching staff as possible. So that's a true camp battle to look out for. I want to read off a couple – responses we got 
from Dolphins fans through Twitter and Facebook. Uh, before we get to our final name, let's go through Twitter first. Uh, Derek Shoup on Twitter, he says Tankersley. We talked about him. Jason on Twitter, he says Kalen Balage, And then he says Josh Rosen. Um, hmm. I think there's way too much against the dead cap. Yeah. Former first-round pick. Fitzpatrick's in his contract year. I don't think Josh Rosen is going anywhere. If he's going anywhere, I think it's going to be traded. If they cut him, then it's really because he has nothing nothing to contribute to the team. There was a report that came out, Mason, I'm not sure if you saw it, that some Dolphins coaches were concerned last year that he was not all in on football. Oh and that's kind of been a kind of been a wrap on him since coming out of UCLA. So that is something that could potentially hurt him down the line. But, you know, considering Fitzpatrick's contract situation, his age, and, you know, we have Tua there, but you need someone to back him up. Um, unless they address that backup quarterback position, Josh Rosen's not going anywhere, at least for this year. And that and that proves that right there, probably, because a report like that, if Dolphins coaches were saying that to the media, or even if it got leaked out, that'd be a big deal if they were trying to trade him. You know, if they were trying to trade him and that got out there that his head's not in football, that does nothing for Miami. So yeah, I think Rosen sticks around at least one more season. Uh, he's definitely got a lot to prove with how he played last year, um, but they need him. They need him for the depth. And here's one on Facebook I want to get into, and it's going to segue us into our last player. He says Hearns and Bellage are easy picks. You know, we mentioned mm-hmm. both of them earlier. Then he says McMillan could be a surprise cut. So I want to talk about that because if we're looking, if you look at this Miami Dolphins roster, we talked about how young this team is, how talented this team is, a lot of free agents, a lot of draft picks. But if you're looking at this team, who is the one guy that would be a surprise cut I know for me Julian Davenport kind of would be there uh Jakeem Grant kind of would be there but I think Raekwon McMillan is definitely that guy if he got cut a lot of Dolphins fans would be like wait wait a second what did you just do (laughs) yeah no and I actually agree with the post he would be my number one surprise now I don't agree that he should be cut so let me be very clear but he would be my number one surprise player to be cut now Let's let's look at last season. You know, PFF, he was graded out as Miami's best linebacker per PFF. He had a 63.9 overall grade. It boosted up by a 77 rush defense grade. So that's very solid. You know, run stuffing box linebacker. But there's a big but here, Riley. You had a big but earlier. Here's Give him mine that coverage right grade. <laughs> yes, he does not fit into Brian Flores's multiple front defenses. You know, we want those versatile players on each side of the ball. Raquan McMillan doesn't really fit fit those boxes for Miami. And guess what? Miami brought somebody in. We ranked him as the number one free agent addition for the Dolphins. That's Kyle Van Noy. He can play all linebacker positions in the 3-4 and the 4-3. Also, 2020 free agent addition, Kruger Hill. He can also play multiple positions as well. And then I mentioned him earlier, Landon Roberts. So those are three guys right there that Miami can use if they want to move on from Raquan McMillan. I still think he has a lot of talent. I still think overall he does make this team. But if they're going to make a surprise cut on defense, I feel like this guy's name is probably at the top for me. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about on this show before how much I like Raekwon McMillan's game. I like that old-school middle linebacker, but that's a dying breed. We talked about it on the fullback side. In Brian Flores' defense, you need to be versatile if you want to be on the field. And last year, Raekwon McMillan was not 
on the field. He played in under 50% of the defensive snaps last year. You mentioned his 77 PFF rating against the run in coverage. He was a 43. He is a liability in passing downs. But when you look at situational football, that's why you got to keep this guy on the team because he is the upper echelon of Mm -hmm. linebackers when it comes to stopping the run, being dominant at the line of scrimmage, clogging up running lanes. He's a tackling machine. So he's a situational type of linebacker in this defense. Uh, While I would love to see him on the field and be able to cover tight ends, you know, slot receivers, I just running backs out of the backfield. I just don't think that's in his game at this point. Uh, But I do hope that the dolphins keep him around because when it gets to, you know, late in the game, and it's third and one, your defense is on the field and you need to stop, you need Raquan McMillan out there to clog up those lanes from the linebacker position. So I hope that in a month from now, a month and a half from now, whatever it is, we're not talking about Raquan McMillan as a cap casualty. Yeah, and I and you know, there's not a lot of dead money there either, Riley. You know, three hundred and eighty nine thousand in dead money if the Dolphins did cut him. So, you know, that that's an interesting take on that as well. But I do agree with you. He does one thing very well, and that's stuffing the run. And late in the game, goal line situations, they need those type of linebackers. But on the flip side, once again, not great in coverage, needs to improve in that. And hopefully this season we can see an improvement in that. And if we do, and if he continues his upward trend in stopping the run, then yeah, I mean, the Dolphins are going to keep him around for sure. But once again, versatility that's what brian flores wants and at the end of the day if you're not going to give that to him raekwon mcmillan's name has to mean near the top of your list of casualties for this dolphins defense all right dolphins fans who did we miss is there someone that stands out to you that you think is on the bubble heading into training camp the preseason to make the final roster going into 2020 let us know at fin to win it on facebook and twitter Mason, I think that was a pretty solid list. You know, a couple of surprises, a couple guys that are, you know, low-hanging fruit, obviously out there. But I just hope that some of these guys, you know, undrafted rookies, guys like Zach Sealer, are able to come in and aren't, you know, a part of that casualty. I hope the NFL finds a way to keep that 90-person roster for training camp intact. I get why you'd cut it because of COVID-19. Odds are it's going to be cut, but... I just hate seeing guys that have worked so hard for an opportunity to not even get the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Yep. No, I mean, great point, Riley, to finish on. That's all we can give them, a shot. If they can get a shot, let them get out there on the field. Let them show why the Dolphins took the chance on them in getting an undrafted rookie and see how they can fit into the schemes on offense and defense. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Fin It to Win It. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Fin It to Win It. We're on any major podcast platform, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. As always, we really appreciate the five-star review and rating. It helps the show out a ton, so thank you for the support there. Until next time, we hope you have a great weekend, everybody. We will see you next week here on Fin It to Win It. For Mason, I'm Riley. Fin's up, everybody.